In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The parable our Lord employs is one of many that refer to the growing of seed, the growing of crops, and the activity of the evil one. There are times when our Lord will even address the individual fruitless tree and curse it. And there are times when our Lord will use these images to instruct patience, not to tear out the weeds with the wheat, but to wait for the harvest. These images were used uh, by Pope Francis in his letter that was released on Wednesday. And to good effect, the activity of the evil one um, is so often dispelled when Light is shone, uh, when light is shown on it, when light shines on it. Um, and so, whether it be uh, far away or nearby, as Christians, as believers, we not only bring attention to those things that are of uh, detriment to the church, to believers, but even to, to everyone. There's, a, there's a, not just a balance to be struck, but there's a distinction to be made. There are those things that we know to be evil, and they ought to be known as such. And when people can do something about it, something ought to be done when it's the wise and prudent course. There are also things that are detrimental, that are painful, that cause suffering, where there are a number of solutions or a number of responses. And so there are two things afoot this week that I, uh, that I want to revisit in light of our Lord's Gospel. To make sure, too, that as the seed of faith has been sown in us, that it, it bears fruit, a hundred gold. It doesn't, doesn't wither out. It, it doesn't um, diminish when, um, when there is no rain. Pope Francis wrote at length about the situation in the Amazon. Some of it had to do with uh, the evangelization of souls uh, and the work of the church. Much of it had to do with the the material and the social condition there. There were a few concrete things that were suggested, namely a seminary to be established uh, specifically for people who are there, for people who will do work there. 
uh, for priests especially who will come from there. We've done well. That's a very good thing. Other uh, cooperation between bishops' conferences and, and governments because that area covers a variety of jurisdictions. But again, much of it simply had to do with the material and the, and the social condition there. When, um, when you've had the chance to be lectured by good grandparents or great-grandparents about how wasteful we are, how spoiled we are, I hope, you, I hope you've had those conversations. With that voice in your ear, um, it would be good to, to listen again to, uh, to the voice of Pope Francis in, in admonishing us to live a simpler life. It's a good message. And it'll help distinguish between <clears throat> the things that are um, the things that deserve the full voice of the gospel, the full voice and authority of the church, <clears throat> and those things that would be in the category of uh, those ideas that he acknowledges are perhaps for the purpose of conversation or for, for sharing ideas. This week, great attention has been brought to bear by our bishops, namely, in an hour I speak as a Virginian, so Bishop Nestout and Bishop Burbage. They led the Virginia March for Life on Thursday. I think some of, I know some of our parishioners were here, hopefully some who were here at this Mass. Um, I would think so. It's my, it's my guess. Um, I unfortunately... Uh, didn't go. I was involved in some other activities to safeguard the Commonwealth. Um, and following on the heels of the Virginia March for Life, the bishops together, when they uh, use their common voice to speak about things here in Virginia, it's frequently it's through the Virginia Catholic Conference, have brought attention to various legislation that really is uh, of concern. Um, I would say of concern not to us only who are Catholics and not just to churchgoers in Virginia, but should be a concern for people who acknowledge that biology reflects the the wisdom and the majesty of God uh, and deserves our respect. In the same way that the good of the natural good of 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 the environment deserves our respect, as anyone who ever goes fishing or goes hunting understands, perhaps better than others. Nature, as expressed, whether it be in the things outside of us or in the biology that comprises us, deserves reverence. So in particular, the Virginia Catholic Conference, along with Family Foundation of Virginia, organizations you've heard me mention or at least seen me mention on Facebook and in the bulletin, are bringing urgent attention to 
Senate Bill 868 and House Bills 1049 and 1663. This legislation seeks to make sexual orientation and gender identity protected classes in various states of uh, various areas of state law, housing, employment, public accommodations, public contracts, etc. When some objections have been brought to the floor, especially with regard to its effect on churches, the proponents of the bills have been very clear that although for a time these objections were given some hearing, uh, they are no longer deemed worthy of being even heard from the floor and are summarily dismissed. Your opinions about biology are no longer welcome in the public square of Richmond, Virginia. But you know them not to be just opinions. And moreover, these aren't just simply uh, convictions about things that are of no great significance that don't deserve the voice of the church, that don't deserve a hearing from the pulpit. Because it has to do with the reality that we are each other's keeper. And when people inflict harm on themselves and harm on their children, um, we can't simply be indifferent. When I was young, being the youngest of four boys, I learned pretty well to keep my mouth quiet. Um, when there were weighty arguments of morality, philosophy, theology. The safe course was always just to stay out of it. I learned to speak only when I knew what I was talking about. As, as, as childhood becomes a matter of history and we grow up, we realize it's no longer acceptable simply to be indifferent or to be a bystander or to have no opinion on serious matters. The consequences are grave, consequences of life and death, whether it be about personal activity or war and the decisions of our government leaders. As the prophet tells us before us, uh, is life and death, good and evil, and it is for us to choose. And not choosing is still a choice, but not the choice we will want to face at our judgment. So, the Virginia Catholic Conference, through its own, uh, especially its email service, Family Foundation of Virginia, primarily through its website, but also uh, through its effective email bulletins, uh, are urging Christians to act. Now, I will observe, as I have before, that when something is harmful for people, harmful to the commonwealth, when a law is simply bad, not just a law with which I disagree, and there are many, but I don't burden you with my opinions about things about which good Christians may disagree. When a law is bad for God's people and for all God's creatures, then it's simply bad. 
The Virginia Catholic Conference and the Family Foundation of Virginia perhaps have decided that the strategy least likely to fail is to seek a religious exemption for religious schools, for churches, from these proposed laws. But if they're bad, they're simply bad. And what does it mean when we say that these bad things can affect our people in their places of employment, we just don't want it to affect the church and our schools? Trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, perhaps it is the strategy uh, least likely to fail. I don't know. What I'm telling everyone at the Masses at which I preach this weekend is that it is morally imperative that we strive to be informed about what the government in Virginia is about to do in our name with our authority. Not all of us will become experts at it, and even attorneys who are good attorneys will admit that when something isn't in their expertise or they haven't researched something, even they have to consult with people to know what something means and how it will be applied. By no means am I saying you need to become an expert at this, but the government is about to do things in your name. It is absolutely morally imperative that you try to find out what's going on. and recognize the work of the evil one and shine light on it. The Virginia Catholic Conference, the Family Foundation of Virginia are very useful and very helpful. And while we undergo this, what also do we need to keep in mind? That the seed of faith has been planted in us. And it is meant to bear fruit. And we know the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it's with the confidence that our Lord has in speaking of these things with which we must regard them as well. Caveat. Which means beware. Warning. In Latin. That confidence and that joy is also something that the enemy understands well. That confidence and that joy easily translate into complacency. People of faith usually are confident that God will protect them. Especially Catholics who believe and understand well that the church was established by Christ and it will prevail even against the gates of hell. We are especially prone to thinking that there is an institution or there is an organization that will protect us from bad things. The enemy understands this. And the enemy understands that this easily means that we are sluggish and naive. So I encourage you to be confident in God's goodness. Be confident that God's grace will be effective in you and will bear fruit And that good things will be evident. That God will accompany you in your suffering. He'll make your suffering fruitful. And there are many bad things that he will take out of your way. Many evils that will be averted. Evils that we won't be able to recognize until heaven. Some will be able to recognize even as they loom over the horizon. 
But just as you are confident and joyful, be vigilant and active. Otherwise, we'll have more activity of the evil one to discern and discuss. He will always be there because he will always be trying to ruin something good. This past week in Indiana, 2,411 babies were given proper Christian burial. Maybe not ideal Christian burial. They all deserve a name. They all deserve an individual grave. They were given Christian burial. Prayers were offered for them. Who could imagine that such a horrible thing and such a horrible aftermath could have some some good effect in the end. Obviously, it'd be better if they lived and had been baptized and were still alive. But that they were killed, that their bodies were kept in horrible state, has resulted at least in one good thing and perhaps others. To pray for the dead, especially to pray for the dead unborn, is an act of charity often neglected. To be confident and joyful, even when we don't know what happens to their soul when they die, is a sign of a true Christian. We neither despair and say there's no point praying for them, and we neither just assume they're in heaven and uh, avoid the hard work of interceding for them. Be confident, no matter what. Be joyful, even in the face of the worst evil. Be vigilant. And be active. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother, To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.